I'm Blake Hargreaves, and this is Future Stops. You're hearing Organized Crime performing the William Tell Overture. The canon sounds in this rendition are being made by Rachel Maun, one half of this comedy organ duo popping balloons on stage. When not performing live comedy, Rachel Maun is music director at Coventry Cathedral in the UK, which has a unique connection to Canada and a fascinating history. Today on the show, we'll trace the path that led this Canadian organist to one of the top jobs in the UK, starting with an early visit to Coventry. I grew up singing at Grace Church in Toronto. I was in the choir there, and we went on a choir tour uh, to the UK in 2001, so I was 11, um, and we did, I think we did a whole week at Coventry Cathedral, so that was my first time um, in the cathedral, and you know, it's it's just interesting how things turn out, because at that age, I had no um, no plans to be an organist. I mean, I could... I couldn't even really play piano at that point. <laughs> so it, it's just funny how things turn out. I do remember the building, and I remember um, being struck by how different it was to any other um, cathedral or church that I'd been in. Um, obviously, the size of it is very impressive. It's a huge space, um, cavernous, you could say, and and has a very interesting acoustic. You know, there's a very long echo um, but yeah, I think I, I remember it being very different. That's all I can say, really. But it was a long time ago now. Yeah, the organ is, is really special. Um, it sounds fantastic in the space it was built for. Um, it's very versatile. It can do all sorts of different repertoire. Um, and um, it's voiced beautifully. All of the um, ranks sound sweet and um, <laughs> hard to say, but you know, it just sounds right. You know, sometimes you, you can hear uh, an eighth of flute and you think, oh, that's actually sounds a bit too fat. Um, that might be a weird way to describe it, but, um, or, or you think, oh, that trumpet sounds, you know, a little bit too brash or, or something, but I, you don't get that at Coventry, actually. Every, every sound is, is beautiful, and that's a, a very, I think, rare thing, um, and it's a, a, a wonderful thing. So while you're playing, it doesn't matter if you're playing this sort of very soft clarinet tune or you're playing on strings which um and they've got two sets of strings they've got english strings they've got french strings um or if you're playing full organ it all sounds um really 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 fine um and it fills the building which is what you want from an organ you don't want an organ that is too small for a space and similarly you don't want an organ that is too large for a space um because then that can be sort of unpleasant if people are being blasted all the time um so in that way, it's it really is a sort of treasure of an organ. You know, it's very comfortable to play. It really, it deserves its reputation as one of the world's best instruments. Canadians can take some credit for the high quality of the organ at Coventry. The church and organ were mostly destroyed in World War II during the Coventry Blitz. 
In the years that followed, Canadian composer Healy Willen wanted to do something to help. After World War II, the RCCO, which is the Royal Canadian College of Organists, obviously, um, decided to um, fundraise for British organs that had been destroyed in the war. And um, Willen played benefit concerts for this. I think he went across Canada and did so. I, I read that somewhere. Um, and they, in the end, decided to give all the money to Coventry because, of course, um, Coventry was obliterated in the Coventry Blitz. Um, and it's really um, a, a great place to go and see now because uh, the ruins are still standing. You can see the shell of the old cathedral. Um, so you see the walls standing and you can walk um, walk through there. And it's really um, a, a very a beautiful spot um, and a part of history. Um, but anyway, so they needed to rebuild and um, get a new organ in there as well. So um, most um, all of those Canadian donations went to Coventry. And I think that covered about sort of three fifths of the cost of a new organ, which is a huge expense. Um, and um, I also read that um, Willen actually came to Coventry to present the cheque to the provost of the cathedral here. Um, and there's also another Canadian connection in that um, the ceiling of the cathedral is made of Canadian cedar. And I think that was also a, a gift from Canada. And then the cathedral, as sort of a, a thank you, sort of put a, it's like a brass maple leaf in the floor at the west end of the cathedral. So as soon as you walk in, you see there's the maple leaf. Well, why is that here? So that's sort of how I found out about this, because I was thinking, well, why on earth is there a Canadian maple leaf in the middle of Coventry Cathedral? I'm, I find that whenever I play, I'm, I'm always playing faster than I feel or think I am. And then whenever I listen back to a recording, I think, oh, wow, that's like way faster than I <laughs> thought it was going. And, and um, so then you adjust according to that, because that's what people who aren't playing are going to be hearing, especially if they're out sort of way out in the nave and you, um, you know, you're at, sitting at the console, which um, so in in Coventry Cathedral, the console is where you play the organ from. It's quite near the, the front, so it's very close to the pipes. So when you're playing, everything might sound very clear to you and very immediate. But the, the audience or congregation are sitting way out in the middle and towards the back. And so the sound has to travel farther to hit them. Um, and by that time, it's sort of already swirling around in the building. When you're playing, you sort of have to take the acoustics, um, you have to consider them carefully and how the organ will come across and really anything you're doing. So I think um, that includes sort of leaving more space in your playing, more time for um, breathing and just letting the sound fill the space and then clearing before you maybe go on to the next phrase or, or whatever it is. Um, you have to sort of work with the acoustics and consider them, I guess, part of the music. So you do play differently. You might want to play more um, articulated. So that, that means sort of giving each note a bit more um, 
individual prominence, I guess, sort of playing more detached, something like that, um, which just makes it um, clearer to listen to because uh, it's such a vast place that, you know, the sound can all sort of get muddied together. Um, if you're standing under the dome, all the sound just kind of swirls around together and you ju it just sounds like sort of a mesh of sound. Um, so you need to do something to break that up and make it intelligible to your listener. You know, the way I deal with the acoustic in Coventry Cathedral might be really different to how someone else deals with it. And um, yeah, you do have to sort of maybe change how you play a bit, but I still think you you do put your own stamp on it and do what you want ultimately. Um, but again, you're I guess you're a little bit subservient to the building. When she began working at Coventry, Rachel Maon recognized in this Canadian connection an opportunity to merge the building, the organ, and Canadian music by recording an album celebrating Canadian composers. I, I sort of had an idea for a few years before actually even working at Coventry that I, I knew I wanted to do an album of Canadian music. Um, and, you know, because there aren't really many albums of Canadian organ music. Um, and because I'm over here in this part of the world, I thought um, it would be a great way to showcase um, our music. Uh, so that was, I already had that idea. And then when I got the job at Coventry, it was kind of a, a match made in heaven <laughs> um, because I didn't know about this history, but I soon found out and I thought this is kind of, you know, I have to make this album now. It's too good to be true. It's such a good um, background story, such a good connection. Um, so I just, um, basically, it was in the first month I started working here because I already had the idea. This sort of just spurred me on and I um, applied to the Canada Council for the Arts for a grant to fund this project. And luckily they... Um, they agreed it was a good project and so I was given a grant and that funded the entire thing uh, so I'm very grateful to them and um, I'm very happy with the result of it. Um, I found it an excellent record label over here, they're um, Delphian Records, they're based in Scotland. Um, they captured the organ absolutely stunningly and it's, it's a great sound. other thing well I wanted a variety of pieces I wanted a good sort of um, set of different different music um, and the Bales was um, really a nice idea because he was a student of Willen and um, the Petite Suite is um, just a very very small sort of gentle um, well, the middle movement's gentle, but it's it's a sort of miniature that works really well between larger works. And then I needed another small work and the Ruth Watson Henderson, um, I think is a really interesting piece. And 
also kind of, um, it suits the organ well and it suits the architecture of the building. If, if you ever go to Coventry, you look at the sort of stained glass and the colors um, that are all sort of put together. And it just reminded me of the Ruth Watson Henderson, which is a set of variations. Um, and so again, very, very colorful on the organ, showing off um, a multitude of different stops, waves of sound um, and changing, going from sort of pianissimo to forte, really worked well on the instrument. Um, and then the Lorraine, I um, I already played two movements of the symphony and I was learning the rest of it. And I love her music. Um, I love the Toccata. It's a sort of French style um, finale of the, the symphony. Um, and that works so well on the Coventry organ, this sort of French um, style. And I did sort of communicate with Rochelle before recording because I, I wanted to get it right and I wanted to sort of not offend her with my <laughs> with my interpretation at all, and and she's actually really really open to um, other ideas and and well not other ideas but she's she's flexible and she's practical, um, but also with with um, particularly with the prelude in the symphony, um, it doesn't sort of give. Well, I, I sort of expanded upon the registration instructions as you have to you have to sort of adjust that. So that's what sounds you use, what pipes you use. You have to adjust that according to what organ you're on anyway. Um, but I was sort of being very, very detailed with um, adding adding stops, taking them away. And um, she basically, I think she said, sort of do what sort of sounds good and, and, and works in the building, which is really um, great to hear from the composer and freeing in a way. You don't need to feel sort of... Um, change to exactly what the score says in that regard.
You're listening to the Future Stops podcast, an initiative of the Royal Canadian College of Organists. My name is Blake Hargreaves, and I'm your host as we explore the world of the 21st century organ. We just heard today's feature piece, The Toccata Movement of Rachel Lorraine's Organ Symphony No. 1, performed by Rachel Maun on the organ at Coventry Cathedral. Alongside the high-profile trajectory to her incredible job at Coventry, Rachel Mound has been building a very different sort of reputation for hijinks and goofing around in her comedy duo Organized Crime, which features the pipe organ and upsets classical music traditions to entertain. Well, <laughs> it's kind of... Um, organized Crime is a passion project you could say <laughs> um i i like i like how that sentence is gonna hit anyone taken out of context is gonna sound completely bizarre um but o- organized crime is my um organ duo partnership with my friend and colleague sarah svensson who's also a fantastic organist um and we we were at university together and we basically we're just very silly together and have fun and we um wanted to incorporate this on the organ and and so organized crime was born um and basically we we write shows together and they're comedy shows that's the sort of the main point of organized crime is that it's a comedy show um and we happen to play organ so uh we, we try to do we try to include as many sort of musical jokes as we can but also just sort of any kind of silliness we can get in there, we we do. Um, there are multiple costume changes and um, various props, and we play sort of. We we do we use the phone while we play. We play upside down. We sort of do the splits. We um, all sorts of things, um, and we try and include like other instruments when possible. And so our show, our most recent show, um, is basically a, a complete narrative. There's a whole sort of plot. Lot. Um, and then little sort of skits happen throughout uh, and it's just it's just a whole lot of fun basically it's a come have a good time be entertained kind of show very different to um, a straight laced organ concert it's not really um, it's not the same thing at all actually <laughs> students in Toronto, University of Toronto, and the RCCO in Toronto would do a Halloween concert. They still do, actually, a um, Halloween concert every year featuring student organists. And this would actually be a fundraiser to to pay for the student memberships. Um, so a really good cause. And um, anyway, they, they said, oh, well, you know, we need someone to play the Toccata and Fugue in D minor. And neither of us played it. And so we were like, oh, well, we don't want to learn it, you know, <laughs> like a bit lazy or something. And so we said, okay, well, let's do it together. Um, and we also, after class, um, because being in the organ class, um, we the organ performance class, we would hear, uh, go to listen to the other students perform every week and try um, to improve our sort of listening skills. That was the point of the class. And we also got to explore all the organs in Toronto. So any given week, we could be somewhere else in the city. Um, and so we'd either travel back to the university together or we'd, you know, stop off at the mall and go shopping. And so we bought um, we bought these sparkly heels um, and and we thought, oh, let's play in these. That would be hilarious for the for the Bach. Um, and and then 
we thought, okay, well, let's not just have matching shoes, let's have matching outfits. So then we got these sparkly dresses to wear. And then we played, um, we played it to our professors and we were doing like a few sort of funny things. And then both of our professors said, ah, you need to ham it up, like go even further, be even sillier. Um, and so basically we took that and ran with it. And, <laughs> and so that Halloween concert, um, uh, we had a huge audience, actually. We really promoted it that year. We had about 700 people, um, and they loved it. They loved the sort of silly interpretation, the what we were doing. Well, I mean, it, if you closed your eyes and listened, it just sounded like a you know, standard to part and fugue in D minor. But if you watched what we were doing, that sort of changed it completely. Um, but after the success of that, we, we decided, actually, this was a lot of fun and we wanted to keep doing it so we practiced together and we had a regular practice um session every week and we wrote our script together and so I think it was about nine months later we did a full-length show and um it just sort of went from there that's sort of the the whole story it all comes from buying matching shoes (laughs) yeah it's all it's obviously sort of very different to what I do every day um, you know, running a music department at a cathedral is like quite, quite a full on job, um, and quite a big responsibility, but that, that organized crime is something that we both love doing. We, um, enjoy it and, and audiences enjoy it too. So, but like I said, it's sort of, um, it's definitely a, a part-time thing, um, but we do try and carve out time for it. But it is so different from what both of us do in, in everyday life that we we really like the variety. <laughs> um, it makes a nice sort of change of scene. And uh, we like what we do. We like working together. So um, we sort of try and make an effort to make it fit into our lives. Rachel Mound's diverse career shows that in the 21st century, the conventional boundaries of organ music and organ culture are stretching and changing. And she's just getting started. Her CD, Canadian Organ Music, recorded at Coventry, showcases Canadian culture in the organ world in both the music and the compelling story of the organ's reconstruction. We'd like to thank Rachel Mound for joining us on Future Stops. To hear more music like the selections we played today, recorded on this historic pipe organ, you can find links to Rochelle Mound's CD on all of our social media accounts. And if you're not subscribed to the Future Stops podcast and social accounts already, what are you waiting for? Future Stops is the place to learn about the organ's growing role in contemporary music and culture. Future Stops is a podcast from the Royal Canadian College of Organists, produced by Andrew O'Connor with Haley Raymond as community manager and executive producer Elizabeth Shannon. I'm your host, Blake Hargreaves. Thanks for listening.